Welcome to Grace and Glory Audio, featuring Pastor P.G. Matthew. Today, Pastor Matthew continues his series in the Gospel of Matthew with part one of the message, Pray, Receive, and Love, preached on September 14, 1997. Now, if you have your Bible, please turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. Pray, receive, and love. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. And verse 12 says, So, in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Pray, receive, and love. In the Sermon on the Mount, the only subject Jesus teaches twice is the subject of prayer. And so you see it in Matthew 6, 5 through 14, and also here, 7th chapter 7 through 12. This underscores the importance and power of prayer for the disciples, the believers. The question for the disciples was, how can we practice this teaching of Jesus? Notice Jesus concluded this sermon in verse 24 of chapter 7. And we read, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, and so on. So the question for the disciples was, how can we practice this teaching of Jesus? Especially from chapter 5, verse 17, through chapter 7. In other words, the question is, who is equal to this task? Who is sufficient for this task? You notice St. Paul himself asked this question in 2 Corinthians a couple of times. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. And we read... And who is equal to such a task? And 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 5. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. St. Paul understood this idea that we are incompetent and unequal to the task of hearing and doing God's will. And so 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10, this is what we find. But by the grace of God I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. By the grace of God I am what I am. So that is the question. Who can do these things? Who is able to do these things? Who is equal to do these things? 
The answer is given in verse 7 through 12. The disciples therefore must realize their weakness and need and earnestly pray, in other words, to receive grace from the God of all grace, the Heavenly Father. Jesus said, remember, without me you can do nothing. And St. Paul says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengtheneth me. So that is the connection of this text to the previous section. So then you pray and you receive all that you need. And live and love. That's the idea. Remember verse 12 said, this is the golden rule and and says, so in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. How can we do this? <laughs> Unless God enables us. So then, first thing is, ask, seek, and knock. Of course, before you ask, seek, and knock, you must realize your utter incompetence, your poverty, your weakness. Your insufficiency. And if you want a theology that will enable you to understand your utter impotence, it is the theology of the Reformation. The theology of Luther and Calvin and Knox and others. Realize your need, your spiritual and temporal and physical need. Your utter inability to relate to other people in love. Your total self-centeredness. Realize it. And what do you do? Ask, seek, and knock. Ask as a hungry child asking for milk. Ask as a lost traveler who doesn't know which way to go. Ask us a sick and suffering patient seeking for help. Ask, seek, knock. Jesus Christ is saying that his disciples should keep on praying, seeking and knocking. Not one time all the days of their lives. I said he's not speaking about one time praying, one time seeking, or one time knocking. If he had meant that, he would have used the aorist tense in the Greek. But he uses present imperative. You don't know what that is. Let me tell you. Driver, chauffeur, I want you to stop at the next red light. I use aorist tense because it is one thing, one time you do it. But if I ask stop at every red light, then I will use present tense in the imperative mood. So also in 7, the chapter of St. Matthew, verse 7 through 12, Jesus uses present tense in the imperative, that is command mood. The meaning of that is pray continually, seek continually, knock continually. That's the meaning. 
Turn with me to the book of Isaiah, chapter 62, and let me read to you verse 6 and 7. I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. The watchmen are to call on the Lord in prayer. They must not rest. And give the Lord no rest. Keep on praying until the Lord gives rest to Jerusalem and establishes her. This prayer is no vain repetition. It is ongoing prayer of great faith and confidence and boldness. That is the idea of seek and knock and ask. Let's illustrate this, this type of asking. Continuous, tireless Turn with me to the, the Gospel of Matthew, the 15th chapter. And there is a story of a Gentile woman. As Jesus was traveling in Tyre and Sidon, this Gentile woman, unnamed woman, mother of a daughter who was demonized, oppressed, and she was going about trying to find an answer for this problem, and she heard about Jesus and she comes. And look at verse 22, Matthew 15. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus heard it. But notice the response is painful silence. Look at verse 23. Jesus did not answer a word. So this woman, Canaanite woman, went home. Is that what she did? Oh no, she didn't go home because of this painful silence of Jesus. She goes to the disciples. and I'm sure she said something like this. Please tell the Lord to have mercy on me. Look at verse 23. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us, keeps crying out, continuous, ongoing, irrepressible, bold confidence. She will not take no for an answer, especially from the Lord Jesus Christ. So notice she comes again. Instead of going away, she came boldly and knelt and prayed. Look at verse 25. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. And again, rejection. As the response of Jesus, verse 26, he replied, It is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. He also said in Verse 24, to his disciples in response to their request, in reference to this girl, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel, hard, on the surface, without compassion. In other words, I'm not sent to help you Gentiles. And now he's, he says, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. And she went away. Is that true? You no, know, ask. Keep on asking. Do not take no for an answer. 
And so look at verse 27. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs, meaning here the pet dogs, eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I'm a Gentile, all right. I'm a sinner, all right. I'm lost, all right. But I have to live. And I have to live from the crumbs that flow from the master's table. And you are the master. I have to live. And notice verse 28. Then Jesus answered, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. That is what Jesus means here. I tete. Ask. Or let me illustrate this from Luke chapter 18. Beginning with verse 1 through 8. There is the story of an unrighteous judge. Who did not fear God and did not care for people. Let me tell you, if you want to care for people, you must fear God. And if you are a politician, if you are a judge, or anybody you are, and you cloak yourself with this idea that you like people, you are a humanitarian, you want to help people, let me tell you, you cannot. You cannot really do the job unless what? You fear God. You fear God. But here is a judge who did not fear God, neither did he care for his people. And there came a woman, a widow, poor, without power, and uh, who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversary. Powerless person, a widow, who cares about a widow? So she came the first day and prayed, grant me justice. Didn't get any and went home. She came the second day and prayed, third day and prayed, fourth day, fortieth day, fiftieth day, sixtieth day, ninetieth day, every day without fail until she was answered by this unrighteous judge. Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. I'll see that she gets justice. Keep on asking, in other words. Or look at 1 Kings. You have been reading 1 Kings and 2 Kings. Let's turn to 1 Kings, the 18th chapter, this tremendous demonstration of the truth that Jehovah alone is the true God. Elijah did that. And then he destroyed 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah. And then... We are told that Elijah was praying for rain. And so he goes to Mount Carmel, 1 Kings 18 verse 22, bend down to the ground and put his face between his knees and he started praying. That's what you find in James chapter 5. He started praying. The sky is clear. There is no cloud. And yet he prayed and told his servant, go and look toward the sea. And he went and said, there is no cloud. He prayed again, go and look toward the sea. He came back second time and said, no cloud. Third time he prayed and said, go and look. No cloud. Fourth time, fifth time, sixth time. No cloud at all. Bright blue sky. He prayed the seventh time and said, go and check now. And the answer is yes. A cloud as small as a man's hand. Verse 45. Meanwhile the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose. A heavy rain came on Ahab. And Ahab rode off to Jezreel. That's the idea. 
You get that? Keep on praying. And seeking. Seeking means not only asking, but you are adding to asking great effort on our part. And you find an illustration of this. Several you will find. But the 15th chapter of Luke, there is a woman, verse 8, or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. It is very precious to her, very important to her. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? Great effort, great energy put into this seeking business and she keeps on searching and sweeping and examining every corner of this house until she finds it or let's give you an illustration from the old testament turned second kings chapter 2 and there is elijah and his disciple elisha and they were in gilgal and this is the day Elijah will be taken up into the presence of God. And you notice every other prophet is staying wherever they were staying in the schools of the prophet. They didn't have much to eat or anything, but it is not exciting them that Elijah is being taken up. So 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 2, Elijah said to Elijah, stay here in Gilgal. In other words, the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And what did Elisha say? No deal. You see, he's seeking something. What do you think he is seeking? We know later on it is disclosed to us. He is seeking the double portion of the Holy Spirit. So he says, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down together. Effort, energy, determination, self-abnegation. And so they came to Bethel and said, stay here. You could get off. <laughs> you could get off here. Come on. You can stay with this other disciples here who don't amount to much, but you could stay with them and do whatever they are doing. And what was the answer? No way. And he said, I'm going to Jericho. Well, I'm going to come to Jericho with you. And so they are arrived together in Jericho, and what did Elijah say? Stay here. See, this is the testing. You can get off, man, any time. Oh, no. I'm going to Jordan, and, and notice that Jordan was divided by the mighty power of the Spirit of God working through Elijah. And they went on to the other side and said, <laughs> now he asked, look at verse 9, he asked the question, when they crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? And what is the request? Give me money. Give me power. Give me position. Oh, no. Look at the request. Give me Holy Spirit. Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit. Remember, Jesus said, how much more Holy Father will give you what? The Holy Spirit. That's the way it is in Luke chapter 11. Holy Spirit. And so what is the answer? You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. And they walked together. And you could see 
the eyeballs of Elisha coming out from the socket, focusing it upon Elijah. You never know at what moment the man is going to be taken up. I must see him being taken up in order that I may receive not money, but a double portion of the Holy Spirit. And so you see, focused, moving on. Verse 11, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. And verse 13, he picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. And you see Jordan parting and, and through Elisha, God performing such miracles, blessing God's people. That is seeking. Not that at the, at the, when you see the little problem, all of Pesan who forget about it. That means we don't really seek the kingdom of God first. And you want to knock? Knock means keep on knocking. That's what it means. The door is locked. You are outside. You are hungry. You are naked. You are freezing to death. You must get inside. But the door is closed. So you knock. This means not only asking, not only adding to it great effort, you are persistent. Not one time, not two times, not three times. You keep on knocking. Until when? The door is open and you are let in. Come on in. To the warmth of salvation. To the banquet of salvation. Hallelujah. That you may be clothed with salvation. Come on in. Turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, 11th chapter. There is a knocking story there. Jesus is using it to teach people how to pray. Luke 11, chapter 11, and verse 5. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. He's a friend, a good friend. But you see the problem is they ate and they are in bed and the door is closed. They are half asleep. They are not in a mood to get up to mild little knocking. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are with me in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, Jesus says, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness and persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. That's knocking. But let me tell you something for your encouragement. Nobody knocks before God unless God is already knocking. <laughs> At his own door, his own heart. Look at Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock again. Keep on knocking. You do esteka epi ten turan kai 
Kruo means I'm knocking and knocking and knocking. Again and again, Jesus Christ is knocking. <laughs> if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. In other words, he has everything. He's not out there in the cloth naked and, and looking for some sustenance. He has everything and you have nothing and he's outside standing with everything because he died and rose again for our salvation. Isn't that wonderful? And whenever you are praying, whenever you are knocking, keep that in mind, God has already knocked before. Let's look at, secondly, to whom are we praying, seeking, knocking? And the answer is clearly given in verse 11. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts? You are not... uh, Seeking and knocking and praying to your belly button, your subjectivity, and some guru out there, some founder of a new religion. To whom are we praying, seeking, knocking? Your Father in heaven. In other words, this ask and seek and knock, it is the activity only of a child of God. No unbeliever can pray, and God will not hear the prayers of the unbeliever. Let's settle that issue even though it is not politically correct. Let's, let's be very clear about that. In other words, if you have not trusted in, in Jesus Christ, then the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is not your Father. And you cannot pray. And you cannot get anything. Let's settle that very, very clearly. In other words, ask, seek, and knock. It's a command only to the children of the Heavenly Father. We ask the question then, what about the vast majority of the people of the world who are very pious? Number of them are. Well, Jesus says, you are the children of your father, the devil, John chapter 8. So then, how can you become a child of God? Well, that is very simple. We are told about in John chapter 1, gospel of John chapter 1, and uh, verse 12 and 13, we read this yet. To all who received him, that is Jesus Christ, as God and Lord and as the mediator, as one who died in our place and rose from the dead and ascended into the heavens. And he's the sovereign Lord of the universe and he's the judge of all the earth and he's coming again. You have to believe the gospel in other words. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the authority to become children of God. So, before you can fulfill this command, ask and seek and knock, you must repent and believe, receive Jesus Christ as Lord, then you'll be adopted into the very family of God and the Holy Spirit will come into your life and will guide you. And he will guide you to pray and to seek and to knock and to ask. To whom are we praying? To our Heavenly Father. We are told elsewhere he knows already our need before we tell him about it. He is not a reluctant stranger or a malicious tyrant or an indulgent grandfather. The Bible says he is the source of every good and perfect gift. God who does not change, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God so loved the world and gave his only begotten Son, Father of mercies and God of all comforts, Father who pities. A father who does not deal with us according to our iniquities. Father who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Father who is good and gave good things to us. 
Father who receives us. When our own father and mother and wife and husband and children forsake us and reject us. That's the picture of the father we find. Father almighty, father all wise, father all sovereign. Hallelujah. And there is a vital connection through and in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And you are seen as children of the heavenly father through his son Christ. And this vital relationship enables you to call him heavenly father. Isn't that wonderful? Believe that. It is true. He loves you. Thirdly, for what are we praying? It's a good question, isn't it? For what are we praying? Remember Elisha's prayer. What was it? One thing. Give me a double portion of your holy. So let's understand what should we be praying for as children of God. First, we must pray for the manifestation of God's glory in this world. He already taught us. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we should pray for. O God, manifest your glory in this world and do it through me. As I love you and as I reflect your glory, as I obey you. Number one, that's what it is. Number two, pray for spiritual grace. It's more important than anything else. Remember St. Paul prayed three times that God may remove the thorn in his side. And the father said, no. But I give you something else. I'll give you grace. And then he affirmed and guaranteed my grace is sufficient. Let's not question the sufficiency of the free grace that flows from the cross of Jesus Christ. It is sufficient. You may question it. I may question it. Let me tell you it is sufficient. Who said so? God said so. Then let us pray that God's purpose regarding us be fulfilled. That's a good prayer. And the purpose, the ultimate purpose of God concerning you is not that you get married and live in a white house with white fence. That's not the ultimate purpose of God for you and for me. What do you think the ultimate purpose of God for the church of Jesus Christ? Ephesians 1 and verse 4 to be holy and blameless. That we have a sin problem and the ultimate purpose of God is to rid of that problem. So we will be holy. Now, did you get up in the morning and pray that prayer? Oh God, your purpose is that I be holy and blameless. Please make me holy and blameless. Let me tell you, most people fail to pray that prayer. But it is the truth. Not only in Ephesians uh, chapter 1. Look at Ephesians 5. And let me read to you from verse 25. Husband, love your wives just as Christ. What? Loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now here comes verse 26. Additional statement as to God's purpose concerning the church. To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or glory or any other blemish. But holy and blameless, full of splendor. Did you pray for that? I'm considering this issue, what should we pray? Hebrews 12 and verse 14, we are told, without holiness you cannot see God. 
What do you think is the greatest need of us? Holiness. That the sin be taken away from us. Yeah. From body and from spirit. Yeah. Perfecting holiness. Hallelujah. In the fear of the Lord. Isn't that true? Did you pray for that wife? Did you pray for that husband? Did you pray for that children? Next, we should pray. This prayer, as found in Ephesians 3 and verse 16, St. Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Did we pray for that? Oh God, strengthen me in my inner being that Jesus Christ may reign and rule through my life. Calls for a lot of strengthening. Oh, Holy Spirit, strengthen. All right, let me tell you something else. What do you need? What do you really need so that you can live in this world for God? You need wisdom. Isn't that true? Wisdom. You need wisdom. Isn't that true? To make the right decision at the right time. To understand things. To have insight into things. Because when we do the wrong, make the wrong decision, it is going to have terrible consequences. Look at the decision made by Rehoboam. Read that in 1 Kings chapter 12. Big time trouble. And so that's a good thing. If anybody lacks wisdom, what should you do? Ask! Did you ask for wisdom? To a heavenly father who will give to everyone who asks. And he will give it generously. And he will not reproach you for coming and asking. I mean, did we pray this morning, oh God, give me wisdom. I have to make the right decision. Your decision. We should pray for the church of God. We must pray for that. Oh God, not only for me, but I'm praying for the church of Jesus Christ. That she may put away nonsense and childishness and grow up and mature. And love God and obey God and obey the gospel. And be the light of the world and salt of the earth. Not only that, we ought to pray for our enemies. We are told in this sermon itself, bless those who curse you. Pray for your enemies. Have we prayed for our enemies? That's a good idea. (laughs) Because God will hear that prayer. And let me tell you, pray for the Holy Spirit. How much more our Heavenly Father will give us the Holy Spirit. Elisha asked for, Elisha received, and you ask for, and you shall receive. Oh God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. You need that to control our thoughts, our thinking. Hallelujah. And let me tell you, finally, you should pray. Give us this day our daily bread, O Lord. I need money. I need a job. And let me guarantee you that he will give you job. And he will give you money. And you will have bread more than sufficient. Because my God told me so in his infallible word. I'm going to stop now and come this evening. You can hear the rest of it. And maybe we could start praying. Maybe we could start receiving Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Grace. Wisdom. Daily bread. Hallelujah. That we'll be a people who will praise our God and thank him for what he is doing. That the glory of God may be made manifest in the world through you and through me. Hallelujah. With the great intensity. Heavenly Father, we pray that you help us to obey your command to ask and seek and to knock. Because you made us children of God. This is 
our special privilege. Only believers have this privilege. And when we pray, there's a heavenly father who hears it. And your son taught us and guaranteed us the effectualness of our prayer. Hallelujah. Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. You evil father knows how to give good gifts to your children. How much more the holy heavenly father will give you all good things. Teach us to pray and help us to pray. In Jesus name. Amen.